to our fifth episode of Up To and Including Death. My name is Patricia Gross, almost not gross. Almost not gross. And I'm John Brewer. I'm almost Patricia Brewer, but not for about two more weeks. Yeah, a little bit away. You nervous? No. Should I be? I'm more nervous about the whole venue thing. Ah, it'll be fine. Yeah, that's... My mom called me the other day and she was asking me questions like, what are you going to walk down the aisle to? What are you going to do about the first dance? And I said, John has taken that from my plate and it's the best thing ever. (laughs) No problem handling music. Yeah. John is the music guy in this relationship. I like listening to music sometimes. I used to tell my students that I don't like music as a way to make them think I was insane. Because that is insane. (laughs) I just like, you know, if I'm I'm sitting at home or if I'm like by myself or in the car or going to bed, I want to listen to a podcast. Oh, I get that. But I couldn't imagine life without music. I'm not saying that I want life without music. I'm saying that I do better when I have a wonderful John in my life that picks my music for me. That's fine. This is great. Actually, a few days ago, I was... About a week ago, I was just dreading things because I realized that I had to pick a song to walk down the aisle to and that we had to do figure out how to do music and stuff for before the ceremony and during the ceremony and things like that. And I was just sitting in bed and John walks in and says, Hey, have you picked a song for you to walk down the aisle? And I made a face and John's response was, Because I found one that you would really like and played it and it's perfect. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted a way to sneak ghost into the wedding. <laughs> I think I've only ever seen anything from Ghost on Christmas when we watched that music video. How nice on Christmas to watch a live ghost show on YouTube. Do you want to tell the people what that ghost show was that we listened to so they can find it if they're interested? Oh, you just search ghost full concerts on YouTube. There's a bunch of them. So they're a band. Yes, a Swedish band. And they're very fun. Yeah, they're a great band. Yeah. I enjoy them a lot. So today, though... We're having some fun ambient noise. Yeah, you'll hear some animals and some cars and some whatever. Some lake. And some children. Some children. Uh, There is a lake right next to us. We are inside of a tent. And there's a bird that's gotten very excited and awake. It has been raining a little bit as well. Yeah. And it's been nice and cold. It's been a little bit chilly, that is true. But I think I've been having a good time. We're at Lake Gogebic. Yes. Or Gogebic, depending on who you're talking to. It's Lake Gogebic. Okay, that's what John says. He <laughs> is from here. So we're at Lake Gogebic. Uh, we got here a couple of days ago. We enjoyed a lot of things. We The kids went swimming in this incredibly frigid water, um, which John claims is warm, but I don't think the 70s is a good temperature for water to be when swimming in it. It's 50s. It's in the 50s? The water, yeah. It's too cold. It's just silly. The kids, especially the youngest girl, is super swimming. Sorry, that was a 10-zipper. I just noticed (laughs) it was open a little bit. (laughs) Instead of saying one second and pausing. Okay. Um, Okay, so today's podcast is pretty exciting. Yes, it's appropriate for where we are. We are watching Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th. Yes, the original. As we sit by a lake, as there's a bunch of kids running around around us. And hopefully not a killer. Hopefully not a very angry mom. Oh, uh, yeah. 
I hear kids behind us. There's but. always kids behind us. <laughs> Maybe that's what the people want to listen to. So Friday the 13th is the movie that we watched together. We've both seen it many times. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always on favorites. television. And pretty early on when I first moved in with you, I think it was when we started our, our Friday the 13th and Freddy Krueger watch. Yeah, it wasn't that long afterwards. That's how we learned how compatible we were when we just decided at the same time how awesome would it be to watch both in chronological order sequentially. Yeah, and then finish on Freddy vs. Jason. Which was amazing. Yes. And so today we're revisiting Friday the 13th, which I believe we watched the first one. We were doing it around Halloween, but we started, I think, in September. Yeah, probably yeah. around there. Yeah, so we're going to rewatch Friday the 13th. Do you want to tell some details about this film? Well, it's from 1980. Ooh. One of the most amazing things about it is it had a, a budget of $550,000 mm. and grossed $59.8 million. That's a pretty good... Uh, return of investment yeah yeah i i think i'm kind of surprised about that but i was very distracted for a moment because i couldn't help but think how psycho is 1960 right and yeah. it's at the cusp of this generational change between the 50s and the 60s where you've got this representation of uh people that are unmarried people that are hooking up and all these things now we come on to the 80s right yep now the first scene in Friday, Friday the 13th, is, if I'm not mistaken, I guess I could wait for this, but that takes place in the 60s, I think, doesn't it? Or the 50s, even. I don't remember. I have to watch it. Yeah, I so, thought the first scene was the girl hitchhiking, but I might be mistaken. I guess we'll figure it out pretty we'll soon. Figure it out. Yeah, and we see the first, uh, first time we get to see Kevin Bacon. I'm so excited we get to see Kevin Kevin Man Norwood, Bacon. Norwood Bacon. Norwood Bacon. That's an interesting middle name. Man, he's such a pleasure in films, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. <laughs> John's looking up everything there is to know about Friday the 13th. Yeah, I wanted to see. I was pretty sure that this was Kevin Bacon's first major film. Yeah. And uh, yes, it is. Okay. So this is probably going to be a shorter oh, episode. Well, oh. actually, no. He debuted in Animal House in 78. All right. Nice. I think I remember having this exact conversation. Uh, probably. <laughs> about four months ago. <laughs> not, or not four months ago, about uh, eight months ago when we first watched this. So I'm very excited to watch this movie with you. Uh, I think we're going to have a truncated episode today. It might be a little shorter than our other episodes because we are filming in the woods in a tent. Well, we're recording. We're not filming. Just so people aren't looking for video out there. Well. Because it does not exist. How do you know that I'm not filming right now? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> well, okay. We are recording. We're not filming. Even though there's kind of like, what is a film these days? You know, what is recording? It's a bunch of just ones and zeros, man. Yeah. We're all but... on the web. We're all on the net. Do you have a chance for Brewers Brews right now? Well. I'm not drinking one right now, but I have been drinking a lot of Leinenkugel Summer Shandy. Summer Shandy. A perfect camping beer. It's a fantastic camping beer. I was not drinking that. I was drinking Truly's Lemonade. Uh, and they were that was yesterday, but right now I think we are drinking Diet Pepsi and Diet Coke. <laughs> I am from Savannah, Georgia and went to Emory University. So I'm a firm Coca-Cola drinker and John is from the Midwest. So he drinks pop, and that pop is usually Pepsi product. Yeah, well, it tastes better, so. Well, I mean, you're wrong, so. No. 
Mine's better carbonated anyway. So why don't you hand me that Diet Coke that's over by you and let's go ahead and start watching the program, huh? Yeah, let's do that. All right. John, what's that sound? It's the Friday the 13th sound. It's the scary murderer sound. That's pretty amazing, huh? Yep. We just saw the first deaths, ostensibly. From 1958. Nin 1958, Camp Crystal Lake. There's some people singing songs, wearing short shorts, and it is, uh, it is a good time around the campfire. Nobody's in the cabins. Uh, Barry, an unnamed lady go and uh, go up into a hayloft to, to hang out. Yeah, do a little necking. Do a little necking. He, she's trying to tell him that he's out of bounds and that he needs to stop, and he says to her that a man's not made out of stone. That's right. So there's some casual, rapey kind of stuff going on? Well, I wouldn't push that far. I don't know. It's always that like kind of like push, 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 you know, until she starts screaming and gets gutted by Jason. No, Perhaps. 1958? He wasn't Perhaps. even born yet. He was born in 1958. Jason Voorhees? Yeah. He was alive in 1958. I mean, he wasn't alive in 1958. Oh, I suppose. He wasn't reborn, perhaps. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, would you tell us who the director of this film is? Yes. This I, amazing film? I neglected to give any more information. You're <laughs> just like, it's Friday the 13th. Everyone's heard of this. What I really love is that the movie, well, you pull that up. The movie started with this beautiful full moon. And the first night of camping, I think you're up around 4 a.m. to go to the bathroom. And I saw you're up, so I went with you. And as we were leaving the tent and going towards the bathroom, I looked up and I thought I saw a really unnecessarily bright nightlight or streetlight. I was like, man, that's really bright for a campsite. And then when we came back, I realized the moon was full and very bright. <laughs> <laughs> Just like in in uh, Friday the Thirteenth, <laughs> it was uh, directed by Sean S. Cunningham. Mm. And looking through the cast, I remember one thing that I wanted to point out was yeah, Walt Gorney as Crazy Ralph. Crazy Ralph is one of the high points of this film. Wait, is he the same fellow that plays um that is in the one about the pharmacist? Or he's he's the pharmacist in It's a Wonderful Life, isn't he? Oh. I don't think so. I think so. No. I think Walt Gorney plays the pharmacist in It's a Wonderful Life. He looks no. just like him. I looked up his uh, his resume. Okay. And it's Friday the 13th. Okay. Friday the 13th, part two. Okay. Friday the 13th, part four. Excellent. I don't know what happened in number three there, why they would leave him out. Well, I think that one took place on the moon and or something. the only other movies that I know of are Easy Money and Trading Places, which oh. are two. Both from 1983. Is he one of the brothers in Trading Places? I am not sure. I don't think he had that big of a part. Perhaps he did. No, because that no. was Ralph Bellamy and Don Amici. Don Amici does not look the same in that photo than he does. <laughs> that is a very, very old photo. It's, like, it's always like the young, young, young pictures. Hey, I didn't know Giancarlo Esposito was in that movie. In Trading Places? Yes. In Man, that's such a good movie. He was cellmate number two. And then he ended up becoming... What we know him as mostly in uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call. You know so. the the building in Trading Places where you know the rich people are living, like yeah. the rich brothers. That's some of the buildings from Villanova's campus in Philly, 
or oh. near Philly. It's in Villanova, PA, and I know that because I went to Villanova, and I was like, why does this building look so familiar? And it's because they made it look like the mansion in the movie. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, should we continue? Yes, we Awesome. Shall. Hey, John. Hi. Where are we at now? We are 1338 then. We only stopped really early in the beginning. It was like five minutes in. Yeah, so a lot has happened, but not much has happened. Yeah, not much. You get to hear the story of why everybody's so scared of Camp Crystal Lake. Well, we know two kids died. What else happened? Well, we knew of a drowning in 57. Well, the two kids died in 58. 58. Yeah. And then the water was bad in 1960 when they tried to open it back And there's up. lots of fires. They just don't know what caused all those fires. Yeah, it sounds like there's a crazy old lady living in the woods or something. Hmm, something like that anyway. <laughs> We've got a lippy teen that actually looks kind of like a teen, maybe someone that's in their 20s. She looks like someone that would be hired to feed 20 t- campers and 10 adults. Yeah. Though that's kind of wild to me, though. Did she say 50 campers or 10 campers? Or? Uh, I didn't pay attention to that. Yeah, number. so there's it's not a very big camp. But the owner of the camp has spent $25,000 fixing it up for the past year. Yeah, it's going to end up broke. It's going to end up broke, says the townspeople. (laughs) We got to meet old, was that old Frank? I can't remember his name. Whoa, John! A minute ago, he's Crazy Ralph. Crazy Ralph. We got to meet Crazy Ralph, who just came up to tell the young woman that they're all doomed up at the lake and that they need to stay away. Yes, it was Crazy Ralph. Crazy Ralph. Now, at the same time, the trucker that's giving the girl a ride also tells her not to go up there and to just quit because it's doomed. Yeah. But he's just is slightly less crazy. And, of course, she just calls him an American original that doesn't know anything. Yeah, at least she doesn't believe in ghosts. Ghosts. I mean, even though he's not talking about ghosts when he talks about, like, the water being bad or... People getting murdered. People getting murdered and no one ever being able to figure out who did it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have Kevin Bacon here. Yes. Kevin, beautiful boy Bacon. <laughs> in second, all his glory. In all of his glory. And when he and his two friends get onto camp, the first thing they see is a dude removing a stump. And camp is going to open in like a day. Yeah, they got to hurry up. But why? I mean, a stump is kind of your last priority to remove right now. It's such a bizarre thing to deal with. It reminds me of... Tucker and Dale versus Evil, where they brought a wood chipper with them to the campsite because they knew that they had to prep the land and stuff like that. But they're not doing any work on the actual cabin. They're just like, looks like they're just cutting up logs and putting them in the wood chipper. Well, they were pretty happy with how the cabin looked. So I guess so. I guess so. All right, let's get going, stomp remover. I mean, John. A lot has happened. We're in 1904 in. We're in 1904 in. I have Scooby snacks and I just ate some Cheetos. The kids have only interrupted us like twice. Yeah, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. It's pretty good. We are fixing up the the, dingy old place. We don't have a lot of time before everything gets started. The camp owner is in a love affair with one of the women who doesn't want to really stay, but he begs her for another chance, and so she says yes. And a sexy girl almost got freaking shot with an arrow by the clown of the movie. But he's a good shot. 
He's a good shot, thankfully, because he could have killed her. It was, like, right next to her belly. I wonder how many hot chicks they went through in order to <laughs> do that scene. <laughs> He's a good shot, though. He's not going to... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of wonder who's going to be shot with that arrow coming up. What do you oh, think? Oh, nobody. Nobody? It's Chekhov's arrow. Okay. Ooh, John. Yes? We had our first murder. Yeah. It wasn't very good. It didn't, I mean, for the person that was murdered. Is it ever? No, but boy, I I really hate a throat slit. Yeah. So our little traveling cook was very lucky in that she got picked up by a very nice Jeep. That Jeep looked new. Yeah. Like it looked like a 1980s Jeep. So whoever had that Jeep had a good amount of money or stole it. Probably had a good amount of money. Oh, I think stole it from someone she had killed recently. Who do you think she killed recently? <sighs> uh, whoever. She's a murdering old lady. The guy, the camp counselor wasn't in that Jeep, though. He was in a different no. car. Okay. The hitchhiker gets into this Jeep, and she's talking about how much she loves kids, and it's always been her dream to help kids. And then she uh, doesn't get dropped off at Camp Crystal Lake. No, she won't be up with any kids today. No. She, she jumps out the car, though, when she realizes something's up. Yeah. And she doesn't... Uh doesn't end well for her. You know, I would say that this is probably the most realistic running through the woods scene in any movie because she has jumped out of a moving vehicle and she's like obviously broken or twisted her ankle and she's moving fast so that she can try to save her life. But she's falling a lot and yeah. right in front of the bad guy. We see a lot of the bad guy legs. Bad guy? I'm sorry, bad person legs and body, yeah. which is a very, very narrow you don't really associate Jason uh, Voorhees with such a narrow body. Well, that's because or it's small not legs. Jason Voorhees. So. Well, they don't know that yet. Nobody would. But I guess we're not with spoilers. It's his mom, everybody. It's Jason's mom. <laughs> She's the one that's killing everybody. But this woman's actually saying how much she loves kids. She yeah. could have taken care of the children. None of them take care of the children. They're all just worthless teens who neglect their duty as camp counselors. I'm not sure she's supposed to be a teen. The, well... Are camp counselors teens? Some are. Most are. Tell me about your camp experience. Have you ever been camping without family members? No. So it's always been with parents and then with kids? Yeah. Okay. Well, no. Friends. Okay. But not as a teen. Not as a teen and you never went to, like, a camp camp? No, I never went to a camp camp. We went to day camps... And when I was a kid, and then I went to a couple things when I was in college, but it's not the same, I think. Probably not. I hated staying in camp, camp cottages, though. We had, oh. like, a college thing where we spent the first weekend before school started at a camp and in Georgia. And it was a very beautiful place, like, with some gorges and stuff like that. But there were horrible bugs that were terrifying everywhere. Oh, sounds wonderful. I hate bugs. Okay. All right, so we're back at camp, Crystal Lake. The hot, sexy teens look like they are done working for the day, even though they're still light out. And looks like they're they're playing around in the water instead of doing yeah. all their chores. Well, when the boss is away, the kids will play. Hmm. Okay, let's go. John. Yes. We just witnessed another murder. Yes. They murdered a snake. They did. So since the last time we spoke... They had a nice little vacation 
from all the work they were doing. But it turns out they actually were just having a little vacation from work and they're going to go back to work soon. Except Ned, Mr. Joker, I'm going to hit you with an arrow, pretended to be drowning and everyone went out to save them. But he did it so that a girl can give him CPR and he could try to make out with her. It was one of the most realistic CPR scenes, though. She actually put her finger in his mouth to clear the airways. Yeah. But you normally don't see in movies. All of these kids were actually really good at, like, they got into action as soon as they noticed something was wrong with Ned. They got a life preserver. They got a canoe. And, like, two of them jumped in the water and dove for him. Yeah. It was very good. And, I mean, I think I would trust them with my kids. Yeah. They're doing a better job than uh, what we find out happened in 1957. Exactly. I love that he was just like standing in the pantry for who knows how long. <laughs> it's okay. So, what time are we at? Uh, thirty-one thirteen. So we're at thirty-one thirteen, and the young kids have been uh, introduced to the local cop on a slick bike, who was accusing them of smoking the reefer. Yeah, the devil's lettuce. The devil's lettuce, but they don't smoke because it's bad for them. Kevin Bacon enjoys, you know, messing around with cops' equipment. <laughs> Yeah. So we go in the kitchen, and one of the girls is, I guess, putting away some pots and pans. And there's just a dude in the pantry. How terrified would you be if you're at this camp that's 20 miles from town? It's 20 miles from town, and there's a dude in your pantry. What's going through his mind where he's like, i got to warn these kids that someone's going to kill them. I'm going to pop out of the pantry that, that should uh, put my point across, and they'll believe me then. I'm pretty sure he probably was in there looking for hooch or something and decided that this was his new home. No, he was there just to warn them, because they are doomed. Doomed if they stay. Now, if you were to go to a camp, perhaps out here that's what we call camps. Or that's what we call like a cabin by the lake or something like that. You go out to the camp, and some dude was in your pantry telling you you're doomed. What would you do? Uh, He would be doomed. (laughs) Get out of my household, man. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that the amount of screams that I have would be enough to say how many screams there would be. If he did it exactly like him, I think it was hilarious. I would think it was hilarious. (laughs) Open the pantry? Yeah. If I open the pantry and was screaming my head off and there was an old man telling me I was doomed, you would just be like, ha ha, great job, Probably. I would be like, wow, that is a... That is quite the uh, the effort you went through for a prank like that. Well, it's good to know that you're never going to take my side ever. And I might as well know that before we it's get It's only married. if it's a crazy old man who just says you're all doomed and that's it. I mean, the crazy Anything... old man is just a step away from crazy old lady with a knife. Yeah, well, that's, that's where the difference lies. <laughs> they would have to do it exactly and dress like Crazy Ralph. Then I'd be like, this is funny. She's really good at, at murder. Don't oh, you she think? She must be. Right? Because, like, they haven't caught her. I mean, 20 miles out, you can probably, but you could probably get but away with it. she's been doing it since 1958? Yeah. She's so. just been killing. I mean, she only killed two the first time. Yeah. And it's been, what, 22 years? How did she make the water bad in 1960? I don't know, but I what I'm shocked is it's been 22 years and she's still able to kill all these young people. Yeah, she's... She's spry. She's a spry old hag. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if she weren't single, she would be better. 
Maybe. I say hag. It's an old joke. She should have hooked up with Crazy Ralph. She and Crazy Ralph probably have a lot in common. Yeah. They could have killed together. No, Crazy Ralph doesn't want to kill. He wants to warn. I don't know if Crazy Ralph is just like a step away from being a murderer. Like, I feel like it's in there. Nope, he is the good guy in this whole movie. (sighs) I guess so. Okay, shall we continue? Yeah. Kevin Bacon. He didn't make it. He didn't make it. He got stabbed through the throat in the bed. Yes. A hand grabbed him from under the bed as he was looking up, just starting to notice that his friend was dead in the bunk bed above him. The same bunk bed where he just had sweet, sweet love with his... Yep. Little girl friend. Underneath a dead body. Underneath a dead body, they made sweet, sweet love, talking about how they didn't want to make their friend feel uncomfortable. <laughs> but guess what? He can't be uncomfortable anymore. Nope. He's dead. That's right. He doesn't yeah. feel much of anything. No, not at <laughs> Some would say nothing at all. That's probably true. <laughs> so we've got a game of Strip Monopoly. Yeah, as everybody's played in their youth, right? No. Have you no. played Strip Monopoly? No, I think people go with poker. John and I have a strict rule. Yeah, we're not allowed. You're not allowed to play Monopoly. <laughs> no, I have really bad luck at Monopoly. Yeah, and, and you get very, very angry very quickly playing Monopoly. Well, because if you keep going to jail and you never get to pass go. Yeah, it's a game. It's almost like it's rigged against, you know, people that aren't white men like you. Oh yeah, so Monopoly is. Yeah. I mean, it is originally supposed to be a representation of what's wrong with capitalism. Oh, yeah. So women yeah. go to jail and men. No, I mean, that's just, but the original person that created. <laughs> you jerk. No, I mean, the original, um, the original version of the game was supposed to be you played a second round that showed you the, you know, true meaning of capitalism being bad. Well, I think Monopoly is wonderful. I do. I think it's a great game and I like playing. Maybe we could play it again at some point. Not with you. (laughs) Well, I really like Risk. I know. You want to tell people why I really like it? I I don't know. You seem to enjoy playing it. Because I'm really good at beating you at Risk. Okay. Yeah, I don't care. I don't need to win. You say that now, John, but I think you enjoyed beating my butt in Monopoly. We didn't even get to play it for more than like 15 minutes and then you got mad and quit. I got mad and quit because there was no way for me to win or go get, come back from where I was. You could have pretty easily. How? I had no money and I had no properties and I was always in jail. Yeah, we only went around like twice. I had like three properties. Yeah, and I had zero properties and zero money and I was in jail. That's like literally losing Monopoly. Okay. <sighs> Sass okay. from the side of the tent. Yeah, well, this is the sassy side of the tent. So it's been pouring rain in this uh, in this movie. We've got a few dead kids. Yeah, they're dropping fast and furious now. <laughs> Ooh, there's new one of those movies coming out. I don't care. But you know what I would really like is if the What Say You podcast with Brian Quinn and Salvacano, if they were to do it again, and they could do another... They they did a um, a movie review podcast of their of Fast and Furious, yeah, and they went to see it live. It'd be cool if they did that again. Yeah. I don't think they will, but it would be nice. I have zero interest in Fast and Furious. So Kevin Bacon's dead. Someone has gone to the bathroom, 
perhaps we'll come back and find this bloody mess or what do you think's gonna happen next i don't know we'll have to watch and see okay let's go hey john hi what's worse an arrow through your neck under the bed or an axe to the face oh well they're both pretty bad i suppose the axe through the face you die instantly the arrow through the throat is going, you're going to feel it longer. Yeah, it's true. But I just, that must be a pretty strong old lady or a very strong axe. Axes are pretty heavy. Once really? you get momentum swinging, they'll probably go in pretty easily. I mean, I guess if she's a crazy old lady living in the woods, she's probably used to, you know, axing things. Yeah. Okay. Maybe she wanted to axe her a question. We've lost uh, several people so far. And how how far along are we? We are 46, 46. So we're only, we're about halfway through the movie and we've lost about half of the people. Things are escalating quickly. Yes. I think it's time that we talk about the ethics of the Voorhees killings. Because some people like to say, oh, it's the naughty campers being naughty and they deserve to die. But really... We just saw a camper or a camp counselor die because she heard a little kid's voice saying, Hello, help me. And she ran out into the pouring rain immediately to go help whoever that was. Well, I think the argument of the morality of Friday the 13th was that Jason was the moral character. This <laughs> is not Jason. I know, but we've discussed Jason too and how that's highly problematic. He kills everybody. No. He doesn't no, care. He does. The children always stay alive. Yeah, he's barely. A, he's let a few people go. The one that you really picked apart was the one where it was the crazy kid who was yeah. the one killing everybody. And yeah. he had no morality at all. That's fair. That's fair. But I, I just got to say, the mom here is not making a lot of sense in her murder spree. No, You're, she just wants to kill anybody. She wants this camp to never be open to anybody ever again. Yeah. Which, it would make more sense if she had killed the owner before anyone else showed up she's had a year to do it yeah i mean it could be that she doesn't live around there and then she only just showed up oh she lives around there oh yeah yeah they go to their home later on the show how lucky do you have to be to you know you've been murdering people all night you still have three people left to murder but you happen to be at the front gate when the owner comes back, having been dropped off by a cop. Yeah, well, he wasn't just dropped off there. He was dropped off well before, and he had to walk the rest yeah, of the way. because there's been a, a car accident with multiple multiple fatalities. That's why the cop that was given, I think, Steve, the owner, a ride home, couldn't come to the park with him. But that means that in the same night in Crystal Lake, there's been a horrible car accident with multiple fatalities... As well as the massacre at Camp Crystal Lake. The cop established it's a full moon. There's more crime of all sorts when there's a full moon. They keep statistics on this. And Steve scoffs and says, you make a science out of coincidence. It's a great yep. line. Yep, but then he falls victim to the full moon curse. The full moon curse related to the crazy lady curse. But it just would make more sense to me if she had just killed Steve in the beginning. Steve was you- by himself. Are you trying to make sense of a horror movie? I Never. I think that the logic of this killer of, like, I don't want them to have Camp Crystal, like, be open. Yeah, but I think she wants to 
kill all the people coming. If she would have killed the owner, then they would have canceled it, and no one would be there, and it would end all their fun. It's true. It's probably a lot oh, more fun to wrong. kill the counselors before people get there. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't want to hurt, you know. Does she though? Out the children. Yeah, but children. I mean, what's the difference between like most camp counselors were the kids at the camp a year ago? You know. Yeah. So this woman calls her would-be lover, boyfriend, fiance, whatever, Mr. Christie. Yeah. Do you think I should call you Mr. Brewer? You wouldn't be out of line. Would you call me Dr. Gross? No. Why not? It's too, it's too formal. Mr. Brewer. Yes. So we've had the big reveal. Yes. Well, yeah. no, not really. So the girl that lives in the film, she has barricaded herself into the room, into the uh, to the kitchen area, and a body is thrown through the window, and then a little bit later, from a completely different part of the park, she sees the jeep coming up, which happens to be the same kind of car Mr. Christie has. Yeah. Right? And so she comes running out thinking it's him, and old Pamela Voorhees shows up in her beautiful blue sweater. Yeah, it's a nice sweater. And starts saying that this place, oh, this place, it's so terrible. Yep. And that there was a boy who drowned because the counselors were having sexual intercourse. Yes, they should have been watching him. They should have been watching him every minute. That's right. That's what counselors are for. We are not watching our kids currently. No. I hope they're okay. No, they're fine. We are next to a lake, but yes, I don't think they jump in. It's going pre- in the lake. It's pretty chilly right now. Oh, it's pretty windy. Yes, that wind just picked up. What a beautiful end to a beautiful film. She's on the lake. We Now, we talked about this in our podcast recently. Yes, the best jump scare ever. Yeah, and it's it's quite a remarkable jump scare that's so beautiful. And then there's the scene that happens after the jump scare. So she before the jump scare, uh, before she ends up in that canoe on the lake, she does decapitate Miss Voorhees. Yes, very clean chop. Very cleanly. And right for the old neck. Well, she's wearing a, a sweater with, it's not quite a turtleneck, but it's no. got a bit of a, a, a raise. So it just basically has a cut here sign yep. right on her throat. You lose a lot of heat in the neck. <laughs> so uh, it's funny because I was going to make a Letterkenny reference to at that point. Um, <laughs> but you you missed, I was going to make a different one and you, and you usurped me. It. Oh, no. Oh, no. But... It's really quite a beautiful ending, just over the water with some nicer music, you know. It's not a scary music. We have the scary Jason music, but throughout the movie, there's a lot of just really beautiful... Dun, dun, well, it's dun. a serene, you know, out in the woods and everything's all wonderful. A place except, you don't want to send your kids for the summer. Yeah, except for the crazy lady Must chopping been heads off. Killing people. And then very strong because she can like she maneuvers the bodies really well, but she probably just does like Pilates or something. Yeah, I would think so. Hot yoga. Why do you think this movie made so much money? It was it was very original for the time. Yeah, there weren't uh, a lot of. I thought I, I know I've seen a million camp murder stories. Pre nineteen eighty though, we yeah. had just well Halloween was in a camp murder story. Mm-hmm. There was a ton of them that followed. Oh yeah, thirteenth, but. It may not have been the original slasher movie, but it kind of it was the blueprint for everyone that followed. 
That's true. It's kind of perfect in a lot of ways. If there is some salaciousness. You get to see one pair of boobs, but you do get yeah. to see people in underwear and you get to see Kevin Bacon shirtless for a minute. Yeah, and I think it was no one expected a 60-year-old lady to be a vicious killer out in the woods. So it was it's kind a big of, twist. Yeah, it was a huge twist back then. I mean, now that we know the movie so well, what other movie has a 60-year-old woman as this cold-blooded killer. I would really like to hear from some people that were that saw the movie in 1980. How amazing would that be if we could hear from maybe some family members or some people listening to this podcast? How would they be able to, to write in or, or let us know about the podcast, John? Well, they can email us at up to and including death at gmail.com. And tell us all about... They could tell us all about their experience of watching the movie live in theaters. Yeah, or they can visit us on the socials at... Up to and ID, and that's what the number two on yeah. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hopefully, at this point, you should be able to just Google it. You mm. can, you can Google up to and including death, and you will find our Facebook page and a few other places to find the podcast, like uh, uh, iHeartRadio. I would just love to hear a perspective of of what it was like watching this movie in the time period. Because I've seen a lot of terrible slasher, camp slasher movies. But you're right, they're probably all after 1980. This probably came out and then a million others were made. Yeah, I can't think of any pre-1980. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed that Jason X didn't make more than it did. Yeah. <laughs> I know you have a, a real affinity for that, but... It, what did it cost? About 10 to 14 million to make, and they made 19 million? Somewhere around there. Yeah. I mean, it's a good movie, everybody. Jason X, it's the best Jason movie. Ooh. Ooh. What do you think is the best one? The best Jason movie? I have a weird love of Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> when that guy tries to box him on the rooftop. I mean, that movie is just a whole bunch of nonsense. Mm hmm. But the little. Little things make me laugh, and that's they probably weren't supposed to. Yeah, like when he outswims a boat <laughs> all the way to Manhattan. What I love about Jason Takes Manhattan is that the vast majority of it takes place on a boat. Yeah, it's really weird. It's so strange. And then he gets to Manhattan, and it's only in Manhattan for a little bit until he gets melted in the sewer and turned into a little boy. Yeah, and that's weird too. Yeah, yeah. But just when he outswims a boat. Mm hmm. He outboxes some guy on the rooftop and like punches his head clean off. <laughs> that was great. I uh, just, I love oh, that stuff. That is so good. It wasn't too full of itself. So you're saying you're pro people punching other people's heads off? Yeah. In a Jason movie? Yeah, in a movie, it doesn't happen often enough. You know, it's so funny. You think about movies being full of themselves. And I think, again, I know I've talked about this before in the podcast a lot, but how much. As the audience, sometimes the audience can be very full of itself thinking, like, what is expecting? Or maybe the audience or critics, like, what are they expecting of their films? Friday the 13th, I think, is itself an excellent movie. It's really good. Oh, yeah. The first one is a great movie. Yeah. Also the second one. Mm. And I think when they realized we're going to be doing tons of these sequels, they did it with very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Like, after the second one... Yeah. You get some very goofy stuff that occurs. I think, I think that's why I love the series. Mm -hmm. It's just when you're watching it and you're in on it. Yeah. It feels like it's yours. Being in on the joke, or not even yeah. the joke. Well, it's kind of the joke. It's funny, but it's fun. But it is scary still. 
Yeah. You don't you don't scream, but I do. Yeah. And it's fun for you, I think, when those jump scares or those other types of things happen and it's pretty horrific or something. Yeah. They're not usually making too many major claims about societal ills. Yeah, a little the, bit in Jason Takes Manhattan. The Friday 13th, the whole series, is probably my favorite horror franchise. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. 10 like, out of 10 do recommend. Yeah, I like Would all of them. Would you give it them? a 10 out of 10? This, the first one, yeah. Even <laughs> if for nothing more than my nostalgia, this is the, the movie that made me love horror movies. Yeah. I think it'd be really fun to do a ranking of the Friday the 13th movies and why. Oh. Where we, like, that probably would be a whole episode where you and I can revisit some of the movies, but instead of doing even a watching in that episode, we can give synopses of each of them and rank them. Yeah, I already gave away my favorite. Well, I well, gave I away know, mine too. If I re-ranked them, I don't know if I would put Jason Takes Manhattan as my favorite. We'd have to make some kind of, like, Jasonometer, like, of all the things you need, like, you needed decapitation, you need to have use of thing use of certain things i think maybe even friday the 13th would be have to be outside of the categories because of how goofy the other one is like folding the dad in half and what was that one the fourth one or maybe uh, even the third even one. Yeah. Oh man that was good we had to rewatch them <laughs> but yeah they're, all of them are very different movies yeah well we're about to go have some pizza yes so we had a nice little cookout the first night. We had hot, uh, we had hamburgers the first night, yep. very tasty. We had uh, hot dogs the second night, and the third night of camping, we are actually going to go into town. And what's the town? It's not Bergland. What's no, we're going to go to Harris. Harris. I Michigan. thought that was the one that was in Wisconsin. No. Oh no, we're going to Harris, Michigan. I can't remember the name of the place. It's Jaggers. Or Jaggers or that's the name of the place, and it looks like it's pretty good. And so I'm looking forward to it. We, we went to a really cool, uh, not tchotchke shop, we went to a straight-up antique yeah, jumble antique mall store. called was, Dan's Antiques. Yeah, it was amazing. In Ironwood, Michigan. Yeah. If you ever make it to Ironwood, Michigan, you can find some really amazingly beautiful stuff yeah. at Dan's Antiques. And was, that's in the main drag. I was pretty surprised at the prices. Yeah. Like, it was really cheap. We had some cool beer signs. Yeah. I got a nice pink glass that I'm going to use at the wedding because our colors are, are pink and gray. And so you got a Paps PBR Stein, and I have a nice crystal glass, to, yeah. and we can both like, have at the wedding. Like kings and queens. Like kings and queens. Well, John, do you think that's it? I, we're leaving a bit early today, but I, you know, as I said, this is our special camping edition. We're in the woods. Yeah. And I think our listeners will forgive us. So, as you know, we are getting married in two weeks. That means we're going to be recording a couple episodes early so that they can come out during the wedding process. But then we will be recording special editions yep. in the honeymoon cottage. And we're going to continue the camping motif yes for a while here yeah we are it's the summer of camping not all of our episodes are going to be about camping but a lot of them will be yeah, the next few we're going to be filming our cabin in the wood episode when we're in the cabin in the woods we'll be recording it we will recording not be filming it okay we'll be recording it not filming but we're also starting our supernatural podcast i'm so excited yes our little bonus pod of going through the entire run of supernatural yes that is very exciting for me you have no idea i think john has an idea but he's marrying me, so it's kind of his fault. Yeah. It was his idea, I swear. Right, John? It actually was. <laughs> I'm so excited to do that with you, John. And I think that the last thing is to stay scared. 
and stay married. Goodbye. The intro and outro of our podcast is Fire and Ice Rock Mix by Stefan Kartenberg. Copyright 2017. Licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. Thank you, Stefan.